host Starlight. Welcome to Astrologize It. This is a podcast for anyone who wants a practical explanation of astrology with an easy application to everyday stuff. We're your guides and co-hosts on this stellar journey. I'm Steve. And I'm Julia. Grab a mug, a snack, and a blankie. Unless you're driving. And settle on in as we explore the wonderful, wacky world of Aquarius. Woo! All right, before we get totally started, Julia... How are you doing today? What's going on in that brain of yours? What's going on today? Uh, well, while we're recording today, uh, Mars has gone direct um, after being retrograde since October. For and forever. My gosh, am I ready for it? Mm-hmm. And also not ready for it because yeah. as we talked about on um, other classes we've done when a retrograde happens uh, after the period of time after something is retrograde. Oh, my gosh. Um, that's when you start integrating all the lessons that the tough period presented to you. So, um, I'm feeling some curiosity about what's going to come back. What's going to make sense after, uh, a difficult fall and early winter. And yeah, I'm wondering if I'll be able to move anywhere. It's true. (laughs) It's true. If, If the transportation situation will change, hopefully, but also meh. Yeah. We've, we've worked it out since now. Yeah. So Steve's Mars retrograde has been literally all about. No car. Wheels and engines and things not going. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And then, yeah. I mean, right now we also have Mercury, who is uh, still retrograde in Capricorn. So like adding the uh, compounded effect of like work and stuff. Yeah. Hasn't really affected me as much, but I've definitely noticed it's it's affected a lot a lot of businesses mm-hmm. yeah just yeah. inner interweb problems server issues this and that it prop like oh my gosh it's it's been a fun whirlwind at least yeah. to observe um so thank you knock on wood um that nothing else happens yeah yeah here's hoping yeah my uh fall and winter have been all about food surprisingly enough not right. something that i was counting on Mm -hmm. uh but in september right when mars was in its shadow retrograde period i ended up having to uh do this pretty intense diet cleanse for health reasons and i was doing great and then mars retrograde hit and the diet thing all just crumbled around me and Mm -hmm. i've really been feeling like okay it's time to get a handle on this and all of its all of its forms both with uh the discipline side of things but then also the like let's examine why this was so hard let's dig into where the psychological roadblocks around food and fueling my body and and since mars has been in gemini for all of this time like let's get curious about why things are hard instead of just plowing through yeah Yeah. Mine was more about the physical thing that moves me, and yours is actually the thing that fuels you. Like my actual yeah. body gas. <laughs> my body batteries. Yeah. God, bats. All right. So today, we are in the chilly, chilly, cold season of Aquarius. Yes. <laughs> yes. So um, I did want to kind of start off with a little disclaimer for, for those who listen. Um, Julia and I are slightly uncomfortable with the Aquarian energy, mostly because um, 
well, it, I can at least speak for myself, where it's like, I have a hard time with my inner rebel or my inner individuality sort of a thing. Um, pretty easy to people, please. So that's kind of where my, my hangups come from. So I'm going to do my best to uh, observe Aquarius today through a very compassionate lens. Yep, same here. I have a number of difficult Aquarius placements for myself. Um, but I also have a strong Uranus, which is the planet that uh, is ruling Aquarius. Um, but I have noticed that um, when it comes to how Aquarius and Uranus play out in my life, I don't actually feel comfortable questioning the system that often, but I have a strong Uranus. So I tend to like embrace quirkiness, mm -hmm. which is a like, I'm going to wear a weird hat today. <laughs> and it's not actually like questioning the system in any way. It's just being well, someone who wears a weird hat today. Right. So a little more uh, <sighs> on the surface level. Yeah, I feel like I have a lot to learn from Aquarian energy because it's so hard for me. A lot to learn or maybe just lean into. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 both. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and as an astrologer and somebody who does astrology, um, this is a little permission slip for you to have trouble with some signs because everybody does. Yes. Everybody has a sign that no matter how evolved we tend to be and tell ourselves we have the whole cosmos within all of us. There are always going to be signs that you're like, Ugh, they just rub you the wrong this way. This one is not fun. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and now I happen to be partnered with someone with an Aquarius moon. Mm -hmm. uh, so these Aquarius lessons often are smacking me in the face because <laughs> I live with someone who displays a lot of Aquarius tendencies, especially in the In the what? My brain broke. That's okay. <laughs> Especially, so I have someone who explores and portrays a lot of those Aquarian characteristics when they are uh, more emotional, which turns out happens a lot in relationships. Mm -hmm. Oh, emotions happen in relationships? Um, I've heard this. Oh, weird. All right, Julia, let's get some, some Aquarian... Um, keywords and things like that out of the way. So what do we normally hear if we like open up the interwebs or go to a horoscope on on a in a magazine or the newspapers? What are they saying about Aquarius? Yeah, Aquarius are words you can come across are going to be like eccentric, um, rebellious, mm -hmm. um, innovative, innovative. Yep. Uh, cold and distant are things that you'll hear a lot about them, mm -hmm. uh, kind of detached from emotion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, Aquarius, um, we were talking about a fixed air sign. So there's the element and then there's the modality to it. Um, so we are, uh, in the middle of winter. So that's where a fixed sign comes in, in the middle of a season sort of a thing. So we just had Capricorn ruled by Saturn, all of that. We've moved into Aquarius and uh, a little more focused on Uranus, but traditionally Saturn 
is also the ruler of Aquarius. So we we want to also keep an eye on Saturn today too. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we had Saturn in Capricorn season with its like more conservative, traditional values, restriction in mind. And now we have Aquarius, which seems explosive Saturn. Yeah. Like when Saturn goes off the rail. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And a lot of that is um the great question of can you can you actually change structure? Can you rebel against structure if you're not familiar with structure? Mm-hmm. Or care about structure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's a good thing to remember that Aquarius is not just an anarchist. They don't want to just cause chaos and disrupt things for the heck of it. Healthy Aquarius leans into those Saturn tendencies to want to build something new, mm-hmm. not just break it all down. Right. So you have to know the rules in order to break them. Yes. So Capricorn just built some structure, just built some rules. And then all of a sudden Aquarius is like, oh, wait, I'm an individual. I don't prescribe to your rules. Yes. Sort of a thing. So example of one of my favorite pop culture. In just a second, though. We'll we'll bring up the pop culture (laughs) after this quick break. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Julia is here to talk to you about her favorite, favorite uh, current pop culture Uh, reference to Aquarius. Who is it, Julia? It is the adorable Jean Belcher. Jean Belcher from from Bob's Burgers. Yes. And I like to keep Jean front and center in my mind for Aquarius because it's such a sweet, cute character Mm -hmm. um, with such a big heart. And it's easy to go into the stereotypes of uh, you'll often see in the literature that like a great example of an Aquarian type is Mr. Spock from Star Trek. It's like, well, okay, that's not how humans actually act. He's literally not a human. So I don't think it's the best example. It's a little too extreme. I mean, it does bring in the uh, like de- the detachment and yes. because, you know, Vulcans love not letting emotions get in the way and logic rules everything. And yeah, it sounds pretty Saturn. It's very, yeah, and, and very Aquarian. Um, but I don't see it play out. And if there was someone walking around acting like Mr. Spock, yeah, that person would need some therapy. Like, yeah, that's not <laughs> the highest, the highest most evolved version of Aquarius, I say. So I love our friend Jean Belcher. Okay. Um, yes. So you actually have a quote. What is your favorite quote okay. from him? One of my favorite quotes. Um, he's on a field trip and the other boys in his class are talking about um whether or not they've seen boobies, have touched boobies, <laughs> and he's just not that interested in this conversation. And then they go to a museum and there's like a touch and feel exhibit and he's up to his elbows in sand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says, why would anyone want to touch boobies when they're sand? <laughs> yes. Oh, oh. That just makes my heart warm. Yes. Because I had, yeah, playing in the sandbox way more fun. So one of the key 
unique aspects of Aquarius is that um, they don't follow peer pressure that much. They want to do their own thing Mm -hmm. and be true to themselves. Authenticity is so important to an Aquarius. Um, So yeah, Gene does not, he is, is not susceptible to peer pressure. He's not like actively pushing against it. He's just going to do his own thing. And if his interest is sand over boobs, it doesn't matter to him at all. Mm -hmm. Um, Right now as we're recording, Venus is in Aquarius. And I love Venus in Aquarius because Venus is all about love and values. And Aquarius wants us to buck the system. And so when we have a Venus in Aquarius, we're all about not following societal pressures to define what we love. And if you love sand more than you love boobies, that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes. So shout out to all of our ace friends out there. Yes. You can love sand more than boobies. And that's beautiful. And that is beautiful. I feel like we need a disclaimer before this now. (laughs) (laughs) I said the word boobies a lot. (laughs) I appreciate it. Um, When you told me that that Jean was one of your favorite Aquarians, uh, I actually had an instant episode that popped into my brain. Uh, For those who want to go check it out, it is season 12, episode 14, uh, Locker Love. This is where Jean is recruited to be in his ex-girlfriend Courtney's music video and he has been avoiding it and the only reason why he ends up doing it is because his sisters want candy so like peer (laughs) pressure which is funny that uh you mentioned like oh no Aquarius doesn't give in to peer pressure well (laughs) Gene can when it's when it's uh complicated by people you love being mm-hmm. like going back to that Venus thing mm-hmm. um it's complicated because he wants to help you know maintain these relationships sort of a thing but the entire time as they're going through the process he's like I hate this I hate this I hate this <laughs> um and like doesn't doesn't like how her song sounds like all of the other songs out there and she wants it to go viral and he's like this is garbage um <laughs> and so he eventually Uranus explodes and like his feelings come out about it and she runs away crying and he has he has to go find her and be like oh okay the relationship part Mm. gotta gotta maintain this relationship um and I I pulled the quote that I love and it's uh (laughs) your song isn't my cup of tea I like tea that doesn't you know taste like everyone else's tea but you like tea that like the that's like the number one selling tea. And that's what makes you happy. So he has this moment of realization of like, I am gonna do this for you because it makes you happy. Um, even though my name will be attached to it. And so that's kind of where uh, my brain linked to like any artist out there that you're like, why are they doing this duet with someone in the completely different musical musical genre than them? sort of thing it's like well sometimes you got to put yourself out there in just way different ways even if it's not necessarily your uh (laughs) cup of tea yeah Yeah. oh beautiful yeah yeah so dear gene who likes to use electronic music and create sounds out of things that are not usually sounds Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. 
yes, there's that, it's that innovative drive, the drive to do something different, the drive to break the rules. Um, yeah, it's, it's so beautiful. And I love, I love because they always have music videos at the end. They uh, actually play the song and um, they incorporated some of like Gene's little Aquarian things where he just like pops out of a locker or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. All right. So yay for our Aquarius peeps out there with strong Aquarian vibes. And yeah, we need you to be your authentic innovating selves. Yeah. Yes. All right, we're going to take a quick break and then come back with some more fun stuff. Welcome back, everyone. We have uh, something that Julia found on the interwebs. Um, this is actually a TED interview. Um, so, Julia, what did you find? Okay, so... We found, um, this is actually something that if you remember Nathan uh, from our last episode introduced me to, and it is the work of Yuval Noah Harari, who is a historian in Israel, um, and he's an historian of technology, um, technology being something that's ruled by Uranus, and it's very connected to Aquarius because technology is how we move forward, um, actually how the human race starts to innovate and evolve is with the use of technology. Um, we wouldn't we wouldn't have gotten far if someone didn't invent the tools. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Dr. Harari talks about the emergence of a new species of human um, and talks about how with what's happening in our world right now with technology just taking off and then starting to um, crack the genetic code. Um, very soon we will have children that can have their genetics designed and technology that's integrated with our bodies. Um, and evolutionarily, this is going to create a different species of human apart from Homo sapiens, just like we had the Neanderthals and then we have the the Homo sapiens, the Neanderthals ended up being uh, wiped out because they were not able to compete for resources like Homo sapiens can. And so this idea that we could be in the last generations of Homo sapiens as a species and a new thing is evolving, is kind of the work that he he does. Um, And I find this so very Aquarian because evolve is a big keyword for Aquarius. Um, And this is like literally evolving. We talk a lot about evolution from like a spiritual evolution. And it's the age of Aquarius where we're going to evolve our minds. And this is like, well, actually we could literally, the human race might become a different species altogether in the near future. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I found this whole concept very exciting and fascinating. Yeah. So can, can you tell us, uh, go into a little more detail um, about how the, Mm. the technology is kind of impacting us now um, from Dr. Harari's uh, point of view? Yeah. Yeah. So he is talking about how um, when we are able to manipulate how our bodies um, are designed and uh, what traits we can have or not have, it could be very easy 
um, to start going back to some of our less than desirable human tendencies of creating um, one species um, that considers itself higher, more evolved than another. And then we get that like war between the species again. Um, Sounds like something that's already been tried. Yes. This is again, like Aquarius likes to often fall into the trap of I'm doing a new thing, but it's not a new thing um, at all. It's just a repeat of something that's literally prehistoric. Um, So the true innovation that would need to happen is uh, if this new species arises, how do we start shifting and evolving the values of what it means to be human so that it's not about dominating. It's not about destroying. We value difference. We value the things that in the past we've considered to be weak Mm -hmm. and say, this is not weakness. This is different. And we embrace and love things that are different. Yeah. He was, um, in the TED interview, he also is um, explaining the story, our global story. Yeah, go into um, that some. So he he brings up the uh, the three storylines that uh, we've had in the 20th century, um, and the the main three being um, fascism, communism, and then liberal. Uh, so in World War II, fascism was crushed. In the Cold War, he says, uh, essentially, communism was crushed. And then we were left with one global story of a liberal view. Um, so, uh, and he focuses on the word liberty. So freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually currently in, coming into question. And he used the example of um, the U.S. and um, the U.K., all for free trade and all of this during the 20th century. And then all of a sudden, other countries started benefiting from it. And then the shift in like, oh, no, we didn't want you to benefit from this kind of a thing. So it's everything is kind of crumbling. And his point is now we don't have a global story to look towards. Mm -hmm. So that's where it kind of comes into like, we're at a breaking point. We're at a we're at like a precipice where it's like, what's gonna happen kind of a thing. Um, And with the involvement of technology um, and how that's going to change jobs, um, we are starting to put more and more AI into use. So that means taking people away from mundane jobs. So like data, just um, textile creation, things like that. we're, we're taking jobs from humans, which will eventually uh, is supposed to alleviate um, more creative time for humans and more innovation. But if we don't have a story that we're going towards, why are we innovating mm-hmm. and what mm-hmm. are we doing? So, um, and he, he brings up a, uh, a point of um, the textile workers in, in like Honduras say, um, if their job changes to data mining, and then all of that data goes to California, Silicon Valley. They make most of the profits in Silicon Valley and then ship the product back to Honduras. Honduras isn't seeing much money come back to them right. from their original work mm-hmm. sort of a thing. So it's this still this unequal distribution of wealth and goods and 
you know, humanity. Yeah. So it's all this innovation and not a lot of change. Not a lot of looking up at the group. Yes. So this actually reminds me to lighten the mood a little bit of a 30 Rock episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where in the show 30 Rock, there's um, the one of the main characters is an executive for GM and he's responsible for microwaves and ovens and he wants to innovate the convection oven so a whole big group of old white guys who don't actually use ovens are gathered in a room to create something new a new kind of oven that no one has ever seen before and fixes all of the problems from the past and they talk about like oh we'll take this oven and we'll put uh four different doors on it instead of just the one so that you can be cooking all different things at the same time Seems logical. and you, we're going to put wheels on it because that's going to be a big piece of equipment and we'll put wheels on it and we'll be able to move it around and then they put this all up on their ai screen and then they realize that what they have created is the pontiac aztec the car that literally killed the company pontiac because they innovated so far that nobody actually wanted it Mm-hmm. Um, oh, sorry, Pontiac. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Aztec. The Pontiac Aztec. So I feel like that is unhealthy Aquarius, where it's like we have innovative and innovated, but we haven't examined the underlying structure that has created all of the problems in the first place. And so what we've done is just reinvented the wheel without fixing the terrain um mm -hmm. yeah yeah so this is where we need healthy aquarius to honestly be a rebel and question the structure and give a little middle finger action to the things that have been oppressing us and keeping us as a society back and yeah. examining privilege and examining uh, who's this really benefiting? Who is this really hurting? Mm -hmm. Yes. So uh, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to examine the uh, uh, the paradox between the uh, Aquarian desire for individuality and then also the group herd mentality and everything like that. So, you know, super fun stuff. We'll be right back. Need an easy out at your next social soiree? Try Aquarius Escape Pods. These easy to use, extraordinarily discreet escape pods are made for those who find themselves in social situations where they're suddenly overwhelmed with too many feelings. The size of a normal detergent pod, these portable distractions fit in any clutch, side pocket, or secret compartment. Simply squeeze and toss to create an instant chaotic cloud of colorful smoke using compressed air, not combustion, because safety is key to any successful escape. Caught answering uncomfortable questions about family? Poof! Escape pod! Can't shake that creeper that won't stop offering martinis? Bam! Escape pod! Strategic and secure, these pods have been proven to cause maximum distraction with minimal damage. Relationally speaking, of course. Cause a scene today with Aquarius Escape Pods. Exit signs never looked so inviting. For high-end galas, try new Aquarius Escape Pods with glitter. Those sequin gowns never stood a chance. All right, welcome back, y'all. Okay, Julia, before, before we left, um, I mentioned that I wanted to talk about individuality and herd mentality and that paradoxical... Um, space that Aquarius finds themselves in 
by wanting to remain an individual and um, kind of buck any, um, you know, what everyone else is saying. And then also wanting to find community and build communities, um, but not assimilate inside those communities yeah oh my gosh this is a cool paradox it is it is a cool paradox Mm -hmm. yes um my brain actually just went to um we were talking about the story of liberalism Mm -hmm. that dr harari was talking about which is this like value of freedom and this value of like i am not the herd um which can be difficult because humans are herd animals like we need the herd we love the herd we do best when we are a community biologically we die if we don't have contact yeah but then aquarius is like i love you and i hate you so (laughs) the concept of liberalism itself this like i'm a free spirit to do whatever i want is itself such an aquarius mindset beautiful yeah yeah so how like do you do you where do you see that playing out the the Aquarian individuality paradox? Um, I think it's, this is such an air sign thing. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. This, I can observe the herd, but not be a part of the herd is so air sign. Um, and actually Aquarius, one of the symbols for Aquarius is the eagle, because the eagle can pull itself way up high above the rest of the world that's going on and circle above and get like the big broad view. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of Aquarius's feeling of like, I have this logic. I have this bird's eye view of society and history. And I'm going to like be up here and like shout down to everybody else what they should be doing. I actually think this is the part about Aquarius that I personally have the hardest time with because Mm. I want to like shout up at that eagle like you're a part of the system right get down here and fix it they are still an integral part of the ecosystem they're they're a predator so uh I mean if we're talking about an eagle not not Aquarius um sorry y'all um yeah, they're, they're so part of the system. So it's it's so fascinating when you find your Aquarian friend just being like, um, I see this thing that you're doing and I'm clearly never doing it myself. Yeah. Or I am not a part of this. So learned from therapists that there's, there's a term for this in therapy. It's perching, which is so very Aquarius where it's this actually my partner and I have a sound effect. It's it's where you are in the situation and then Aquarius takes over and it's like, I'm not in this situation. I'm on a branch above everybody else going, "Mm, here's what you need to do to fix it. Yes. Yes. It's a, it's a protective mechanism. And you said this is, this is not just an Aquarian thing. Uh, We can, we can relate this to the other air signs. It's true. I think all air signs do this. Because I, I feel like I've, recently been accused of being able to do that but in a libran way (laughs) (laughs) yeah so my my perching style uh tends to come from roundabout questioning and a uh a more egalitarian way of getting to like hey let's i i see this thing over there but um what why 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 don't you um get there yourself 
because I'm I'm looking at it, but I need your I need your brain to get there. right. Very leading leading questions mm-hmm. instead of questions from curiosity. Yeah, that's why, yes. I, that's why I was told I was probably <laughs> going to be a, an attorney when I was younger. Ah, too, uh, too much reading. Yeah. yeah. So judgment. Aquarius has a reputation for being judgy, and I think it's uh, this. What are they judging? I think they are judging the system, and it's okay. ultimately a beautiful tendency that Aquarius has, which is to examine things and say, I can see how this is a problem. Um, But just like every other sign, uh, it's easier to examine literally everything else and judge it than to examine where you yourself examine thyself and know yourself and then fix yourself first and yes so we 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 use the analogy of perching yes um can we apply that to um let's just say an aquarian moon because that's that's the context that that you were using earlier yeah um so moon related to emotion Uh how does aquarius Deal with emotion. Oh, what emotion? They don't have Precisely. <laughs> That's no. Um, so I asked my partner what he liked most about having an Aquarian moon. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said that what he values about it, that even though it can get a little bit judgy and pulling himself out of the argument, um, he feels inside of himself that um, he has an emotion and there's a little bit of space between the feeling and then the reaction to the feeling. So he can like literally feel this like breath of space between emotion and his reaction to it. My moon hates that concept so and does doesn't mine. understand it. No, water and, uh, and fire don't understand that. However, this used to just drive me crazy about him. Um, after going to therapy myself, what does the therapist say to me? We have to learn how you can have a breath of space between your emotions Gah. and your reactions. I'm like, no! <laughs> uh, uh, just a, a, another recap. We're talking her uh, Aries moon. Yeah, I have an Aries moon. Mm-hmm. So mine is reaction and then figure out that there was an emotion behind it. Um, <laughs> mine is big Whoa. feeling. React out of that big feeling. <laughs> yes. So here I am in therapy being told that the way my husband reacts in a fight is actually what I need to be doing myself. Oh, it's like, it's like you're, you're able to like learn things Uh, from your partner. So Mm -hmm. this goes back to Stephen Forrest, who, who talks about um, in his book air, how one of the things that Aquarius does is Aquarius points us towards the future. So in the course of human evolution, as more and more people are going to therapy, more and more people are becoming emotionally intelligent, mm-hmm. Aquarius's ability to put space between emotion and reaction is actually pointing the way towards the future. That's a beautiful future where hopefully all of us can have that skill set. Uh, there's, a, there's a beautiful book that I'm in the process of. Um, astrologizing myself right now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it is by Mark Brackett, and it is uh, permission to feel. And the whole the whole point of the book is teaching teaching the reader 
to um, how to become a, an emotional scientist rather than an emotional judge. Oh. Yeah, and I, I, I see the tendency of, of air signs to be an emotional judge um, in, in most situations and where, where we need to stay a little more curious as to like, where did that emotion stem from? Like all of that. So mm-hmm. uh, how does that apply to that breadth of space that Aquarius is so, so keen on? Yeah, I think it's cool that they have that breadth of space, but it's easy for them to immediately judge. I, I see a vacuum. Yeah, mm-hmm. they judge it. Um, and I think that desire to be out of the feeling is more instead of a um, desire to control and and uh, deal with shame, deal with, they're not looking to deal with their own feelings. They just want to mm-hmm. get away from the feelings mm-hmm. as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Going back to that, not not examining thyself. Yes, sort of a thing. Yeah, so I think know maybe thyself. that's maybe that's the um, challenge for Aquarius is to be able to not deny their amazing gift of being able to have that breath of air, um, but also not to let fear control it. Saturn ruled sign. Don't let fear of something mm-hmm. be the motivator of taking a bird's eye view of something. Now, can we can we go back to the work of Dr. Harari uh, just for a second? Because he he brought up how uh, big tech right now is is doing its darndest to understand humans better than humans understand themselves. So he talks about how we're trying to build an algorithm that that will just tell you how, who you are, kind of a thing, um, uh, before you even examine or take a breath, take that that Aquarian moment of like, is that me? So, oh, but isn't it so true? Like mm-hmm. just not too long ago, on Amazon, <laughs> making a purchase. Oh my gosh, I love this. And then what does it say? It says you need a pillow that has the feelings wheel on it. Because of your previous search. Because of your previous purchases and searches, you need a pillow with the feelings wheel on it. And who did um, you give that pillow and to? And then I was like, oh my gosh, Steve needs this pillow. <laughs> <laughs> but then there's this moment of like, oh, Amazon knows me better than I know myself because I would have searched for something like this Correct. Um, scary yes yeah so it it it's good and there's the bad right yeah right. so, so it, like dr harari says how do we protect ourselves from being so controlled by the algorithm which you can even think of as like the herd mm-hmm. because the algorithm is trying to control and influence what herd mentality is right yeah, and uh, I don't think we need to necessarily go in like deep into this, but uh, if you've been kind of feeling like we're dancing around like dystopian universes versus utopian universes, yeah, that's where we are because yeah. there's there's the way and there's there's a real um, real fear these days of how like 
your Apple Watch might turn you into a Cyberman one day. It, it might, or your grandchildren. <laughs> or your grandchildren. Uh, yeah, we're going to be too old. Who will uprise and destroy mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, we already talked about the uh, little Aquarius or uh, Capricorn Pluto babies that are just like building. So what's going to happen when they're uh, Aquarians? Well, and here in 2023, we are going to have Pluto move into the sign of Aquarius. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of these big, dark parts of Aquarian futures, I think we're going to begin to really explore them uh, very soon. Mm-hmm. So that's part of why I got excited about the work of Dr. Harari, because I, as an astrologer, look at all of the fun we are about to have with Pluto going into Aquarius and being like, yes, the mm-hmm. dark side of technology is going to be rearing its ugly head. And this is where we can point everyone to Black Mirror on yeah. Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a pretty good example of oof, what happens when tech, tech goes wrong. But uh, I also want to point out this something I used to work at the University of Minnesota in the ecology evolution and behavior department um which is where the evolutionists hung out and i got to learn so much about the concept of evolution biologically and now homeschooled kid here i have a very i didn't learn really evolution until i got to college so uh it's always been something that fascinates me but many of us grew up learning about evolution from this survival of the fittest kind of concept which darwin yeah there's this um you know species compete with one each other one another for resources and whoever is able to compete the best is the one that survives uh but more and more evolutionary science is showing that whoever can cooperate and work in their environment for the benefit of everyone is most likely to survive. Yeah. And in, in the book of air, Stephen Forrest kind of uses an example of like, well, in, in early human society, uh, the individual that went off away from the group was eaten by a saber toothed tiger Yeah, before he could reproduce or they could reproduce. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like literally picked off um, in that sort of Darwinian um, so the the group think mm-hmm. of like uh, if you're not part of our group you're gonna die mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. is is still very real yeah in a way so I don't particularly think of Aquarian energy as being a competitive energy cooperation is a much better word for it so mm-hmm. um, which then it just rubs its own <laughs> its own self <laughs> uh, yeah so we can easily fall into this dystopian narratives of everything is bad and everything's falling apart. Um, But there's also evidence to say that we as a species are somewhat in control of our own evolution. We can decide if evolution is not a moral thing. Um, A lot of times we think like, well, if this evolved, it means it was superior. No, evolution is the path of least resistance. Mm -hmm. Um, However, are you sure that Finch didn't decide? (laughs) The Finch did not decide, but we have consciousness. Humans have consciousness. And so if we create the path of least resistance that's built on the values that we want to have, Mm -hmm. future generations will start having that more internally um so we have in all of these dystopian 
science fiction stories and all of these projections of what the future is, these ideas of like AI uprising and taking over, um, that all of those things happen because humans decided those were their values. Mm-hmm. If we have the ability to shape our values collectively, AI would not have an interest in overtaking us because it wouldn't be programmed that way or those would not be the algorithms in there. It would be an algorithm of like preserving everyone, trying to make something that's good for everybody. So we can, just as much as there's dystopia, there's also utopia and chances are we'll come out somewhere in the middle. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. But we can feel... I, I feel a sense of empowerment where it's like, well, all of these scary things and changes may be happening, but I can do my little part to shape evolution intentionally. All right, Julia, we have, um, well, you have specifically uh, written down some Aquarius season strategy. So back, back to the practical. Woo-woo. It's Aquarius season. Um, so what can we do? What are some tools that we can use to navigate this time? Uh, because planets are in Aquarius. The sun is going to be in Aquarius. So we're all going to be experiencing some Aquarius themes um, in our lives. So the first thing I want to bring up is some flower essences because that's my jam. Um, And the first one I want to talk about is red clover. Um, And red clover is a good flower for bringing in some Aquarius energy. If you feel like you could use some more Aquarius in your life, red clover is a great one for you. It um, helps protect you from herd mentality, especially like group panic. So you know how like when you get into a group and all of a sudden you can just feel the energy in the group of like people are like, feeling either really upset or really uptight or one person starts panicking and being anxious and then all of a sudden it's like a contagion red clover helps you kind of put some distance between what's going on in the panic around you and being able to check in with yourself and be like do i actually feel panicked how am i actually feeling Mm -hmm. um red clover was used by a lot of people during the pandemic uh, Mm -hmm. as we were in the middle of all of these terrible things happening and everyone was doom scrolling and a lot of people found red clover to be helpful to be like, ah, yeah, there's a lot of scary things happening, but actually I'm okay right now. Um, Great, great remedy for when you need to bring in that Aquarius detachment, that breath of air between emotion and reaction. Mm -hmm. Or you could just put your phone down. Or put your phone down. (laughs) Also an option. unreasonable or or listening to a soothing podcast (laughs) yes listen to steve's voice um the other one that i have is iris so this is the purple iris versicolor flower essence um oh i find that even just having like a bouquet of these around is amazing um iris is named the the plant iris is named after the goddess of the rainbow um and it's very much this like artistic plant it's great for writer's block if you yeah like google if if you're not if you don't have an image in your head right away like google iris yeah just oh my gosh they they come in so many cool variations too like we have it planted all around our house and no 
no group of plants looks the same. Yeah. That's cool. So iris is the flower for, I like to think of it as bringing a rainbow back to your life. If you're starting to see everything in black and white, mm. iris brings the color back. So Pleasantville. Oh, yeah. It's great for writer's block, for creativity block. Um, so this is another good one for Aquarius season because Aquarius is all about innovation and the electric strike of genius. Mm -hmm. um, if you're feeling like you need some of that, Iris is amazing for bringing that on. I had a client oh. once who took Iris and then had to stop uh, because her dreams while she was taking it she said it was like a Wizard of Oz moment where like she went from having normal dreams to like dreams being so brilliant and so thrilling that she wasn't getting good sleep anymore. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We were a little too active. <laughs> yes. Okay. This plant is amazing. I love it. Yeah. Gorgeous. All right. What about some stones? Some stones. Yeah. Um, I think of this, the stone tectite or even moldavite as being classic all right wait 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 so we gotta we gotta like put it out there yes moldavite had its moment not too long ago it's true where all of the socials were exploding over moldavite yeah get your moldavite here get your moldavite today you're you can't do anything right without moldavite uh -huh. oh my god i just wrote a tagline you for it did Coincidentally, this happened mm -hmm. as Saturn has been going through Aquarius. Oh, Lord. Yeah. So, Moldavite actually is an amazing Aquarius energy. Mm -hmm. It came from uh, glass that was created from a meteorite striking the Earth. So, it's literally the substance of something that is not of this current Earth. Extraterrestrial. Um, that's very, like, Aquarian Uranus. Out of space strike of brilliance mm -hmm. um bringing it back to uh uranus the planet of uranus uranus rules chaos and mm -hmm. chaotic change mm -hmm. so moldavite has this reputation of bringing chaotic change into your life that ends up bringing you towards a better future now can a stone actually bring chaotic change into your life uh, maybe I'm going to go with a like meh, meh, on that one. I think it makes you highly aware of where change is happening. Yeah. Um, if, if you have, if you have a picture of something on the wall and it's always there, your brain is not necessarily thinking about it, Yeah. but the fact that it's there on the wall, it, it is always on the back of, in the back of your mind. So Moldavite is a sub genre of tectite, which is glass created by any old, meteorite that's hit the earth there's lots of it all over um not so special but it does the same thing in mm -hmm. a lot of ways it's not quite as specialized as moldavite but it does a lot mm -hmm. so if you don't have moldavite and you're looking at moldavite and it's so 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 much money guess what you can get tectite and still work with this energy mm -hmm. however if you were a part of the moldavite craze and you bought some moldavite uh two years ago, a year ago, and you haven't been using it, um, now's your time. Woo. Bring it out. Crack out that Moldavite. Start yes. working with it again. Aquarius season is a great time to do that. Uh, is, is there a way that, that you can provide an example of how potentially to, to use it? Yeah. Um, it goes back to that know thyself. A lot of people use Moldavite and then um, 
things do get chaotic or they start finding that they're having um, emotional issues or they start feeling like physically sick. Like when I hold Moldavite, I start sweating a lot. Um, So you don't necessarily have to like wear it every day, but just having it, meditating with it for five minutes a day, something like that. We call this a high vibration. It's a high vibration. Yeah. So if you like are holding it all of a sudden, it's like, oh my gosh, why is my like heart racing or just like feel jittery like you just had six cups of coffee yeah sort of a thing so know yourself Mm -hmm. just do it for like a little bit of time you don't have to like put yourself through misery or or start or just use tectite or just use some tectite yeah what's next the last stone i have is kind of the opposite of that it's lipidolite um which is a great stone for anxiety relief um lipidolite has a high concentration of lithium in it um so it's really great for people that struggle with technology um a little bit it can uh stones with a lot of lithium um if you use them uh they can make your phone wonky or they can make like technology get wonky around you because the lithium um is interacting with the lithium and other things Mm -hmm. um but there are a number of people that uh feel uncomfortable around technology or they start getting that like jittery feeling when they have a lot of technology around them turns Um, out there's stones in technology it's true this is called electromagnetic hypersensitivity or ehs or ems um scientifically this is not a real thing uh it has not been able to be measured scientifically uh but people's experience there are a number of people that experience this um, so whether it's scientifically true or not, there are plenty of people that feel really uncomfortable when they're bombarded with technology all the time. Mm-hmm. And, hey, if we're going to be using like healthy Aquarian uh, values right now, we say just because science hasn't proven it yet doesn't mean it's not real. We're looking to the future. So. I mean, science hasn't proven consciousness either. Right. So, or <laughs> can't explain consciousness. So, or why bumblebees don't crash. Um, that's my favorite. So yeah, for those of us that are like a little over technology during Aquarius season, um, lipidolite can be a great choice. Mm-hmm. Also just Uranus and Aquarius in general um, can have the effect on people of just generalized anxiety Mm -hmm. um if you were finding yourself extra jittery and just high strung uranus and aquarius can have that effect um that's Mm. old old uranus planet of chaos can just make you feel like you got the anxious jitters all right julia before we uh close for today I kind of wanted to bring it one last time back to Dr. Harari because he he mentioned something um, similar to your flower essences and stones. Uh, he mentions another thing that can really be helpful in this know thyself mm. situation, and that's meditation. Yeah. 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 So he he points out that meditation, um, the whole point of it is to literally just observe the thoughts. Like you you will be having thoughts as you are focusing on your breath and the whole point is to notice them and then release them so when you are finished meditating that's oh i have better insight on where where those external things are pulling my focus 
So technology these days, that attention grabby, everything is attention seeking. So noticing where, where your attention is being drawn and then kind of integrating that with like, oh, how does that affect my body? How does that affect my, my mind sort of a thing? So I think that's a very helpful tool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and here's the like, (laughs) so I tried meditating on and off for years and years and years. Um, I'm I'm also like not the best at it. Right. Because best is irrelevant when it comes to meditation. I don't know what you're talking about. The biggest thing (laughs) that I'm the best meditator in the goddamn world. Um, (laughs) the success in meditation is doing it at all. Um, Mm -hmm. what really helped me with meditation was I had thought that like the goal of meditation was to be able to like have an empty mind for long periods of time. Me too. Um, but then learning that really it's just practice for having feelings and having thoughts about it and putting practice, having that space in between. And so on the times when you're meditating and you're having a really, really hard time having space between emotions and thoughts that's actually when you're like having the hardest workout and you're you're doing good hard work so yeah yeah. i mean that's where we can bring it back to the permission to feel by mark brackett yeah um that is the the uh, observe it stay curious about it don't judge it yeah yeah and here's a plug for technology do it i couldn't do meditation very easily until I started using a meditation app. And then there was an amazing tool that helped me. So gorgeous. There are, yay. Pl- there are plenty out yay there. Yay technology. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Julia, is there anything else that you want to, to leave our friends with? No, in typical air fashion, we have talked y'all's ear off. That's fine. And I love it. Um, if you do have any more curiosities about how Aquarius Saturn and or Uranus are playing out in your chart, we do readings. We'll we'll have a fun time chatting with you. Um, all of those rates and um, scheduling is on our website at astrologizeit.com. And if you're in the Twin Cities, we offer a number of classes that are uh, coming up. We have a weekly chart chat um, at the Eye in it's Minneapolis. Not weekly. It's not weekly. I'm sorry. It's monthly. We have a monthly every every first Sunday of the month. We are we are at the eye <laughs> yes. chatting about the current the current situation. Yes, and then also we have an upcoming extended class at Magus Books. Um, so check that out on our website. Yeah, more got... details to come. It's gonna yeah. be it's gonna be super fun. We're gonna be kind of uh, applying a lot of what we chatted about today too, mm-hmm. and kind of a little deeper dive into kind of how you can use astrology uh, in your everyday life and and understand yourself even better with a little more compassion. Yeah. So Twin Cities people, come to our classes, come and see our faces. We'd like to see your face. We want to see your face. Yeah. Check us out. All right. We can't wait. And until next time, stay shiny. We're going to put a little break here because my brain just died.